So during the Cultural Revolution, for example, my dad's side of the family, because they were still in China mostly, we lost everything, gold, jade, jewelry, silver, real estate, stocks, bonds, physical cash, everything got confiscated pretty much. So if they had Bitcoin, they could have done what my friends from China have done, which is come to the U.S., like my current friends, come to the U.S. with almost their entire net worth in Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is what? Digital bearer asset, meaning it is extremely hard to censor, extremely hard to confiscate, and super portable. Hey, everybody. This is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. All right, here we are. We're we're now recording. So which means that uh, everything changes. Yeah, Mike's freaking out. He's too high. So as always, welcome to High Hash Rate. Today, we've got our... We've got our first Ivy League grad on the show. We've made it. We're serious. We got Terrence Yang, the managing director of what do you what's your title now? Managing director of Swan Private of uh, Swan Global Wealth. New Swan Global Wealth. There we go. Right, oh, I yeah. think we should let let Terrence introduce himself. Terrence, who are you? <laughs> I'm a colleague. I uh, Terrence. He's Yang, a friend. I, I have a friend and colleague. I come in peace. I work at Swan Bitcoin as a managing director and Global Wealth, which is a new group where we formed to help uh, serve our private clients and ultra high net worth families better with new products. So, yeah. Nice. I don't want to, this is not what the show's about. So, I don't want to like <laughs> pimp Swan too hard, but can exactly. you, can you, can you talk a little bit more about like, how this global thing is is gonna benefit, you know, Bitcoiners, yeah, so non-US Bitcoiners. We've been trying to tell our um, our audience, our our friends, our fans that we're a global company. So I think um, someone had the idea to put global in the name. There you so, go. So like Swan Global Swan Wealth Management or Swan Private Client. We thought Swan Global Wealth would make sense. I didn't come up with it, but I, I really like the name. And it's consistent with what a lot of um, TradFi companies do a little bit in terms of how they name themselves. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Global wealth not available in Texas, New York, and South Dakota. A little asterisk there. Anyways, <laughs> back into so, Terrence, I know you from Swan. Working on it. This, We're working on it. As yeah. this sort of force uh, that spreads around the room and just lubricates the entire room socially. This is how I know you. This is sort of what I wanted to get into tonight. Terrence is the KY bad. jelly of <laughs> Oh my god. Of Swan, the social scene. Everybody loves Terrence. No, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the KY jelly reference. Yeah. Glad. Oh my god. Okay. We I, I definitely want to hit hit that subject, but I suppose yeah, we, we we might want to Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about how you got into Bitcoin first. Sure. So um, how I should have gotten into Bitcoin was summer 2012. I'm at Y Combinator Demo Day. We're in the front row because I traveled with some angel investors from LA. So I saw every company, including Coinbase, up close and personal. It was a ridiculous day because I think they had like 85 companies pitching in 92 seconds each or something. And I had no memory of Coinbase or Bitcoin at all, even though I was in the front row and we're all taking notes. And I've gone through, back through the list a couple of times. And I remember every other company that pitched except Coinbase. So that was summer 2012, whiffed on that, had a chance to invest in Coinbase uh, as an angelist kind of syndicate investors um as a small angel and i think it was funders club so you definitely have like a this investing background yeah a little bit angel investing background yes and then in 2014 late 2013 early 2014 
I started reading about Bitcoin and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I missed Coinbase and I really need to get into this. This seems to make sense. Didn't understand it at all. I was one of those blockchain, not Bitcoin people. <laughs> and therefore, when I invested, I invested in um, uh, Bitcoin startups, not Bitcoin itself, partly because bit holding Bitcoin seemed like it would be very difficult. I probably would have just gone with Mt. Gox, to be mm -hmm. honest. And lost all my money there you might be getting it back in a month it. sorry you might be getting it back in a month <laughs> we'll see they've been saying that forever yeah yeah um but yeah investing in bitcoin startups and then didn't get into real bitcoin until 2018 so it took me a long time to remedy my mistake i think i was what, what got you over that background sort of was too uh traditional and sorry too fiat sorry what I was, I was just asking, what got you over that threshold? Like, how did you make that leap? Oh, uh, I'm trying to think. Cash App helped, but also, like, I used to listen to and sometimes have discussions with Bitcoin maximalists or Bitcoin developers that I meet in San Francisco or whatever and started seeing the light because they had really, really good arguments. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you if you had gotten in as an angel in Coinbase in what 2011 2012, that would have been a pretty awesome return, right? Yes. Uh, and I think I've I've heard stories. I think but there was like a lot of famous like hip hop stars and athletes who actually got in and were early investors in Coinbase. Yeah. But even though the investment opportunity and the returns would have been fucking great into that from 2012, depending on what round you got in. Do would it have beaten the same amount of investment into just pure Bitcoin at the time, or would it have been close? Or yeah, that's a good question. Out? I don't know. I did invest a small amount into Coinbase later because mm. um, they had some allocation. It was just a small amount because I I kind of changed my mind. <laughs> I was like, this valuation seems ridiculous, and I don't really like Coinbase anyways. There's something off about them. But at the time, I didn't know better. And I just was like, okay, well, it's too late. I, I already invested a little bit. But, it's a good um, name too. If nothing else, it's a good name. It is a good name. Yeah. So uh, before you were getting into angel investing and just kind of investing in startups, mm -hmm. what was your uh, career? You know, early sure. on so I started off as a big law firm lawyer. And then I worked on Wall Street as in-house counsel and also in structured uh, finance and kind of on the business side as a deal manager on new regulated, complicated products. Yeah, anything that had legal regula regulatory stuff, uh, there was a good chance me or someone like me would be involved in making sure what we were doing made sense. We made the investors sign documents saying they understood. We worked with our risk managers and credit people and kind of business like the sales manager and the trading manager to make sure that they thought what we were doing was okay because they were more long-term players generally. So they were more responsible for risk and revenue, not just revenue. So I don't want to age you here, but is this, was this during like the, the tech revolution, the internet age, Definitely like when to Wall Street this. and trading, all that stuff was yeah, starting to like so really I'd change? Have... Yeah, I was involved, um, let's just say, um, one of the products I worked on, not, not to date me, but to date me, was a product that I was pretty proud of that enabled you to go short um, CDOs and kind of mortgage-backed securities for the first time. Um, because before it was long only, and we came up with a product that the traders wanted where we could short. And we had a big fight with the investment bankers because they were going to saw that they knew what we were doing. They knew that once we had an efficient way to go short, that the market would be very price efficient. It was not no longer long, long only, and their days were numbered. And I felt like that product by itself uh, popped the bubble a couple of years before it would have popped because the party could have continued a couple of years longer. And that could have put us into a global economic depression. Could have. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, what 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 was life like working on Wall Street, working in big law, like in New York City? So, 
Like, okay, what was, so did, did you have much free time? <laughs> sometimes, but sometimes it's feast or famine. So big law, if you're involved in an M&A deal, as I was sometimes, you could be built working like 100-hour weeks, several weeks in a row. Wow. And this and is this is New York City you're working in? Yes, in Wall Manhattan. You're a, you're a big uh, law firm lawyer in New York City, in the city yeah. city. One of these right. dudes that right. walks up into one of these tall ass buildings and goes yeah. into work and looks down and sees like New York City, right? Look down on my computer. <laughs> I didn't look down at the people. No, I didn't mean like I didn't mean like looking down like that. I just meant yeah. like you're you're high. Yeah, we were in high rises, yes. Yeah. So and how so long did you do that? Yeah, Sorry. how long how long were you doing that? Uh big law firm. I only did it like three, three to four years because of what happened was I was sent to um work on the training floor at one of these banks and I was like, wow, this seems more fun. So I was kind of but I just started this new job at the second law firm I was at, and I was like trying to figure out a way to get out and go back to the trading floor because it was a lot of fun. And I did that um after i stayed at the second firm a couple of years because you know you didn't want at the time I, I didn't think it was a good idea to just kind of leave immediately <laughs> from the law firm that right doing. right right what, what, what yeah. do you what do you think about practicing law i think it's like are you warm to it or are you cold to it or you do if you want um more options so what's what everybody does after law school it's almost like not quite after medical school, you know, you do these internships or residency, but it's almost like that to go to big law firm because it just opens up a lot of opportunities so that you could work on the business side, you could work mm -hmm. uh, in-house in good jobs. So you kind of have to do the big law firm thing. So I kind of just accepted it. I try to accept reality instead of being like, oh, I don't want to work at big law firms. I'm not going to do that and be the exception to the rule. Right. I didn't want to, I didn't like my odds doing that. So I just kind of did it and um, I didn't like it as much as I thought I, I might so that I wasn't like, you know what, I'm not going to try to be a partner. The hours seem ridiculous and yeah. Right. Just, and so and I'm sure Harvard law opened a lot of doors open for, or yes. for you as well. What no, was no, that? I, what was that experience like? Like Harvard that's, law. it seems like so the, it was one of the hardest. This is like shit you see um, in movies, right? Harvard, the Harvard law, right. you know, like, Yes, yeah, so it's not like in the movies. <laughs> so it used to be at one point, and then I think they got sued or people complained or maybe dropped out and mental problems. And it was just no longer the culture to mm -hmm. yell at people and call mm -hmm. on people like what used to happen. So, um, but by the time I got there, it still kind of sucked in some ways because they it was a bit harsh, the environment. But I'm glad I did it. And being an alum is a lot of fun. So when you go to alumni events, like the only people who show up at alumni events are, you know, kind of, they're either retired or semi-retired or they're just happy alums. So the people who tend to show up at alumni events tend to be very happy. So being an alum was great. Going to law school was okay. I think it would have been, people would have had more fun going to Yale. Hmm. Um, Why do you say but, that? Just because the Yale students seemed happier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Stanford. <laughs> So not only is law school Rating culture sculpt culture yeah. changed. When I was going through boot camp in the Air Force, the mm -hmm. uh, the drill instructors had to like would stop and apologize after they cussed at us, and they said that they weren't allowed to do that anymore, <laughs> and they were told that they had to go easier on us. So Sorry. I it's I can only imagine it's gotten easier wow. since then. Yeah, that was like two thousand five, two thousand six. Uh, so. What happens yeah. when your military goes soft, man? What happens? Well, apparently it's the law schools that start. It's like the the. The canary in the coal mine when they stop picking well, you know, up this, kids this, in class and making them answer the question. This also happened in my industry as well in filmmaking. Mm -hmm. The the sort of doctrine that was being brought into the schools started changing. You could see how it would change into a different doctrine because or like of, less uh, critical, less, cri less exactly critical. like yeah. less yeah, more inclusive sort of like mm -hmm. need. That's why Netflix sucks. I don't know. I mm. just, I just like, binge, no, I can like, see that. I can totally see that. A bunch of net, like Netflix documentaries. Netflix oh, what, is, any good ones? Uh, this MH370 
was kind of good. I mean, is that about the plane? And, and then the Murdoch murders. Wow, that was oh, pretty, I, I got to catch up on that. That was pretty fun. Is MH370 about the plane in Malaysia? Yes. That the, okay, that's a crazy story, but that's way off track. The, right? the sound design for this piece, the sound design mm-hmm. deserves a, some award, but everything else is, you know, just okay. Um, so you mentioned these alumni events, right? So what do your what are your colleagues and people you went sure. to law school with and the people you started off at Big Law or in Wall Street, what do they think about the fact that you're this crazy Orangefield guy who's just on Twitter all day, you know, replying to memes and like well, yeah, you're just doing outreach. You're on, I mean, you're on Clubhouse, you're on Spaces, you're on everything. You still speak you're just with these out people? There. You're out there. Sorry? You still I'm speak with these sort of them. New York? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so, so what happened was I, because... um. I had an in with the um, sort of alumni relations people, the people who don't do the fundraising, but do like the reunions and stuff. They made me reunion chair for like a couple or asked me to be reunion chair. First, they asked me to raise money. And I was like, I don't want to do that because my brother's like, if you do that, you're going to have to top up or they're going to expect you to top up. So if they're, you're like short, they're short. You, know, you set this goal, we're going to raise X amount and you're short $40,000. It's going to be like, would you like to make up the difference? Because we're still short. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. So then it's like, well, you could also do be just reunion chair. So I did that. So a lot of my classmates um, knew me or just knew of me. So when I would post things on like LinkedIn or whatever, Facebook, they would notice and some of them would reach out. So it's really good because people would, reach out and we become uh, friends, even folks that I wasn't that close to during law school. They felt like they knew me a little yeah. bit. So I was trusted by the law school so they could trust me. And they, and so, so it actually worked. You were connecting with people over the stuff. It wasn't just like, oh, Terrence went off the deep end. He's, he's into big. Um, stuff no, no. I, I, this was just some of them. Like, yeah. It's yeah. not oh, like sure. both convinced them to buy Bitcoin for the most part. Right. Right. So Are yeah, you, they're pretty, Lawyers are set in their ways a little bit, and they're very, conservative uh, by nature. Benefit a lot from the current system. Oh, for sure. So it's very, yeah, for them to. What's sorry. uh? Yeah, go sorry. Ahead. I was going to ask how how often do you find yourself in a position where you're orange pilling someone? Like, are you talking uh, to more bitcoiners or like non? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, when you're not talking to clients, I guess. So when I'm not talking to clients, I'm often planting the seeds to orange pill them. Okay. They usually don't know enough to orange pill because like, yeah. Yeah. So that's a, like, that's like, so you've got a strategy, like a long-term strategy, time. right? Like you got a lot of Bitcoiners who are, yeah. who are just trying to get everything into a five minute conversation. They're like using all this jargon, all this stuff, orange pills, uh, hard money, this, <laughs> like the hardest helps. money. I mean, the 30 second pitch helps. Yeah, right. But it takes, they have to hear it a few times. Yes, yeah. of course, right? Like Sometimes they give the... people Bitcoin because I, I want to accelerate the process, but that's usually like friends and family mm-hmm. or people I just like a lot. Um, but other times it's, yeah, you're if you think you're going to see them again, you kind of plant the seeds. So you want to kind of figure out, at least what I do is I try to figure out what they're most concerned about in terms of economics or just what priorities they have and see if Bitcoin can, I can explain it in a certain way. Right. That's smart. Yeah. Like, like if they listen don't, to what they, they want, what they care about. Bingo. Yeah. B- Bitcoin meets a lot of unmet needs for people, but not all of them because some people just don't feel like they have a lot of problems. They're pretty happy. So you just maybe uh, you dig a little bit, then you just talk about something else. Not everybody's Instead trying to fill like a huge void. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Right. Or, or some people are just so they're just not ready. Yeah. It just takes too much, too much, um, too much of a shift in their thinking, but you can plant the seeds. Like you could say, like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people realize there's something wrong with all the money printing and things don't make sense and the democrats and republicans are always fighting and increasing spending and increasing authoritarianism and yeah recently like, trying like to increase example, taxes was, increase taxes yeah for example i was at a christmas party with uh fiat folks 
Um, but including, it was hosted by an advisor from a top sort of RIA. Mm. And she um, was interested in Bitcoin, but you know the other people were not. So I didn't really bring it up because we're at a Christmas party. And I remember talking to the head of a regulatory agency, not like the top, top, but she was like a three-letter agency, sort of the regional head. And her husband were, her and her husband were there and they're kind of fiat type people. And we started talking about what I do and they're like, oh, why do you like Bitcoin? And I was like, well, you know, because, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I felt comfortable with them. They were very good listeners. They're very interested. And so I started talking about digital surveillance and the look on their face was like, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't have fucked that up. I should have saved that for maybe a second or third conversation if I ran into them because <laughs> they were like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I found, (laughs) but I kind of, I kind of, it's a mistake in some ways, but I also kind of liked it because I, I, I kind of, I, I liked that they were surprised that I would say something. Yeah. So think about government because, you know, they're kind of working for the government or or the wife. And you just kind of dropped. Yeah. In their presence. I think, you know, it's funny that you said, I mean, they're, even though their agency doesn't do like surveillance, it's just like consumer protection stuff. Sure. But it's still like they yeah. kind of they're they're kind of like uh, they were a little surprised. colleagues. They're colleagues. The people that they work with are you know adjacent yeah. to that yeah. at least. If it's funny that yeah. you know obviously outside of these three letter agency employees, when I talk to higher net worth individuals that you kind of plan, yeah. I always, I always go the angle of you know you could move this anywhere overseas. You, there's there's not KYC. There's all this stuff that you know if you've got a ton of money like uh like one of the major global investors right was talking the other day can't get his money out of china like the chinese government's like Mm -hmm. all these restrictions he's trying to withdraw and sell stuff from banks and move it out of you know there's capital controls and there's a lot of capital controls even in the united states in in the form of financial penalties and you start talking in that language and those people usually you know like you said you plant the seed you know sometimes it takes like what it took you six years to finally really take the pill it's like it's going to yeah. take some people some time, but if you either plant the seed or you, you water that seedling that's already been planted by somebody else, you just keep yep. it going. Just keep the process going. Don't let it get too stale. Just kind of keep bringing it up in their mind and they'll eventually start seeing these little angles of like, Oh, this really b- could benefit me. And this could benefit like for, I have a lot of Jewish friends and their uh, concern about like getting money out and having to leave a country or having to leave where they're at. Yeah. Even in the United States, it's like, I got to go. And I don't want to like leave all my money behind. And I'm sure right. Mike, you can speak maybe to some of those concerns, but it's like, that's a really, you know, it's, that's, and that's experience that a lot of like my friends, that's how I, that's how I've approached it with them. Are you, are you saying cause of my Hebrew background? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. your, your life experience. You know, I haven't ever had uh, that kind of experience before really. Of discrimination so much that's good uh that's what you want to hear i guess but i am a you know an american as well it tends to happen a lot less maybe um yeah uh oh you you mentioned this one term that i wanted to go back to it was uh you said fiat fiat folk i thought it was such a nice little term. <laughs> you're at this party <laughs> with these fiat folks and i'm wondering yeah. like are you sitting are you feeling like you're like uh the only little you know person in the room and you uh, sort of have to defend yourself or, that, or is it the op- that opposite party. Uh, um no so i didn't feel like i had to defend myself people, people just ask what you do and then some people are interested right because this ria like a lot of ras they get asked about bitcoin mm-hmm. especially in 2021 less less so last year but she wanted to be able to refer her clients to potentially us she just wanted to Mm -hmm. learn about it we even did a follow-up one-on-one call so hoping that'll happen soon but um center just one advisor so some of them exactly no i told them that's one advisor and andy and ryan um but some of them are not interested and some of them are kind of crypto not bitcoin or bitcoin and crypto type people so it just depends on the audience what that party was very funny though because there was 
a woman who did compliance for some shitcoin company. I forgot what it was. There's some shitcoin. And we were talking and I was very, um, I felt outspoken about your passion. Firm, for a, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with um, the, the regulator folks, because I wanted them to go after it because I was like, yeah, you, you can look up my boss or me, but we are very ethical. And there's a lot of scams in crypto and you guys should do something about it. I was literally like being like, you guys should do something about this and that and that. <laughs> woman from the shitcoin company who I was, you know, kind of nice. I was like, oh yeah, I used to shitcoin or not shitcoin, but I, I used to do that stuff. Now I just do Bitcoin, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just like it better. Um, I didn't get into like kind of shitting on what she did, but it was like, oh yeah, you got, you must be in high demand now, you know, because mm -hmm. <laughs> Christmas, mm -hmm. there are all the, already all these investigations. <laughs> but anyway, she um, pretty quickly left our group as I went on my um, nice but um, firm tirade about how this regulator should have her office go after these crypto companies that were all scams. And ripping off U.S. retail. Did you, uh, did she un did she unfollow you on LinkedIn the next day? <laughs> uh, we had just met that night, and I don't think we ever uh, connected on LinkedIn. But oh, yeah, okay. I'm yeah, sure yeah. if I show up, she would pass on. <laughs> so how uh, how long how far away do you think you are from getting Harvard to uh, open their Bitcoin and the the Bitcoin portion of their endowment fund? With, with, um, with. It'll take a while. But one thing I do do, because these um, institutions, they're very sensitive to PR and image, and they're horrible at social media, especially Twitter. They just don't get it. So I frequently tag when I'm shitposting um, Harvard Law. I think they have a blockchain. <laughs> it's, it's so embarrassing. And the Stanford Crypto Club, like I tag their student groups and <laughs> talk about like how Sam Bankman frieds Stanford law professors are an embarrassment and I can't believe they took money. <laughs> they took a Bahamian mansion from their corrupt son. It's ridiculous and he sh they should return it or whatever I do. But yeah, I frequently, yeah, not infrequently rag on them. I'm sure someone there notices. Oh, for sure. Uh, I'm sure. But do. yeah, uh, but I kind of stopped trying to be or being a reunion because you know the the longer you do it as you get older they're expecting more and more donations so yeah it's like, they never never enough um yeah. you know to shift topics a little bit from kind of your background uh as of right now uh silvergate just went under today mm -hmm. uh, the reg the regulators yep. are cutting your banks are cutting off Bitcoin companies, crypto companies, left and right from the financial system. They're debanking these companies. Uh, the, there was a Senate hearing yesterday about mining and the climate. It just seems like there is a, um, oh, and the other thing was GB uh, Grayscale uh, had their opening arguments uh, against yeah. the SEC yesterday. And from the, what I've read from analysts, from legal analysts, it sounds like the judge and was not really impressed with the SEC's um reasons for denying the ETF, uh, but they also was reports that the SEC would not deny the, or would not say they wouldn't pull the futures ETF if they lost this case in order to prevent having to approve the Bitcoin ETF by GBTC or by Grayscale or anybody else for that matter. So it seems mm. like there's like this focused effort and attack, especially in the wake of FTX to kind of crack down and I think our listeners might be a little, some of them might be a little concerned, like, oh, is, you know, is the price going to crash or is, is this going to be made illegal, yada, yada, yada. You've got the expertise in this, you know, policy and law and financial stuff. Is there anything that you would like to say that would maybe ease or yes. uh, that might concern the listeners about what's going on and what the implications might be. Yeah. So first in terms of um, whether it's Swan's ability to do business or the client's ability to buy Bitcoin from us or wherever they buy Bitcoin from, um, there's thousands of banks in the United States. Many are small local banks, community banks, or banks with just not very many branches, or they are credit unions. 
And those banks are the ones that you want to have accounts at, maybe more than one account, just to be safe if you're really worried. I would, you're better off having sort of two accounts, one at a credit union, one at a community bank at these smaller institutions, two, two small, uh, two bank accounts at small institutions, then five bank accounts at like the big five of JP Morgan, City, Wells Fargo, Bank America, and whatever else is big. So you would be better off doing that, number one. And then number two, like if you're thinking about Swan, we, we're doing the same thing, right? So we have multiple bank accounts and often they're with reputable credit unions and community banks that have been around a long time that might just want to um, work with a Bitcoin only company that does not uh, do a lot of these uh, scams and you know ridiculous leverage and shitcoins and all that stuff. Like there's just no way that anything we're doing is an unregistered security, mm -hmm. unlike all these crypto casinos that are offering unregistered securities, except for Bitcoin and maybe some of the stable coins that are, mm -hmm. you know, people are not expecting a profit. Mm -hmm. Maybe those are not securities, but that's about it. But what do you think about this? Yeah, I've heard read that like the the stable coins themselves are backed by like money market type funds or treasuries other securities so if it's backed by yeah. a security does that make does that give a is that a case for it it being a security itself not really so you can make that argument i think the point there is they are backed by um maybe commercial paper or mm -hmm. short-term investments that are cash-like they're, they're supposed to be if they're backed by like more um, security stuff, that's not as good. But mm -hmm. the point means that outside of like Terra Luna, whichever one was the algorithmic stable coin, right. um, these other stable coins that are US dollar backed, the popular ones like Tether, USDC, you're really buying it as a surrogate for mm -hmm. a digital dollar. And you're not really expecting to make a profit off of it. If you are, it's like, you know, one basis point over a it's week like, or something. Kind of like for stupid. instant instant clearance and trades and things like that. You're not waiting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's yeah. really um, for people that might not be able to access right. US dollars or it's just the, the way the trading pairs work on that exchange. It's US dollar, Tether, US dollar. Mm -hmm. so, sorry, not Bitcoin versus Tether, Bitcoin versus USDC uh, as opposed to quoting in US dollars or it's being used in the, like the global South that'll use stable coins because if you think about it they need it for medium of exchange they they get the they get paid they want to get paid in right something that's us dollar denominated or or based and then they're going to spend it the next day or next week they, they're not looking at it for long-term store value yeah um and they're also not expecting yeah. a profit off of it they just right. want to store like short-term store value and you meant and so you mentioned some of these smaller banks, um, sure. which is which is great, and having multiple banks. And you also mentioned earlier briefly Cash App. And so I just wanted to say yeah. about Cash App that if you don't use it, um, I highly a lot of people, especially people in my circles, they 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 use yeah. Venmo. They send everything back and forth with Venmo. Um, mm -hmm. I, I try to get them on, you know, Bitcoin stuff, but like they don't care. But if you do care, um, using Cash App, so you can. It's a fact you're, you it's a, it's a bank account. So you can get a cash card. Uh, you can have a direct deposit into your account on cash app. Cause it's a bank account. You can use your cash card from that account on your cash app as a debit card. Uh, you can use it at the ATM. You can pull money. You can use cash app for lightning free transactions. You can buy Bitcoin on, you can buy stocks on there. So you can move all your money around to pretty much anything you would want to buy. You can spend it with a, anywhere you can scan a, um, yeah. QR code, you can send it back and forth to your friends and you can use a, a traditional like a debit card. So that's another option as well. Um, so if, if that makes sense for you, that's worth checking out. They're not a sponsor. I just think cash apps great. Um, the other question I was going to ask, uh, is what about like, so they've proposed a new capital gains tax that's effectively going to double the capital <laughs> gains tax if it passes. I don't know if it's going to pass. It's probably not likely, but it's it's possibility. Uh, they've also introduced a law to uh, make it so you can't tax loss harvest Bitcoin, essentially. Yeah. So what are those? Yeah. What are those? 
mm-hmm. how do those affect you know your your average pleb who might be listening you might have some sure when so it comes to selling uh, spending yeah yeah so so that and and the other stuff we talked about before um the the uh, the court case with gbtc and the closure or unwinding of um, silvergate and so forth all those can cause short-term um kind of bear market or lack of um, upward price momentum or kills any upward price momentum or can curtail it. However, as a pleb, I would say that you want to um, kind of just focus on the fundamentals, build conviction, hot all dollar cost average, buy dips, but, and also recognize that the market might trade down irrationally if people think that are scared by these bills, double the capital gains tax, eliminating tax loss harvesting, they're realistically not going to pass because we have a split Congress. And they tried this before when Congress was less split. Um, when when actually, I think Biden had a majority control of the House, Senate, and, and Senate, but mm-hmm. like Senator Manchin and others would block it, these more conservative or moderate Democrats. And now that the Republicans control the House and McCarthy had to make a lot of concessions to uh, people that were more conservative, like the more conservative wing, anti-spending wing, um, we're more likely to honestly have like a debt ceiling crisis where there's a technical default on U.S. debt than to have either of those two pieces of legislation pass or really any significant legislation that is going to make Republicans look like they're in favor of tax increases. I think this is kind of signaling by the Biden administration to kind of rally their core base, right? And just be like, oh, well, we tried to tax businesses, tax the rich, but these stupid Republicans won't do it because they don't care about poor and middle class people. And the Republicans are like, we're not raising taxes. The Democrats are tax and spend. So it kind of serves both sides, but it's definitely presented as by the Biden people, I think, to try to favor them and present yeah. themselves more favorable light, I feel. Yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's political yeah. posturing. I think they're just trying to put stuff yeah. out that makes them look tough, makes them look, you know, super progressive. Yeah. Um yeah. But yeah. but if you are if you are worried, you should just I mean, you, if you are underwater on your Bitcoin, it's a good time to tax loss harvest. Just use this as an excuse to prioritize that and get it done. Because if Bitcoin drops even more from like, let's say about at 60, it's at whatever, 22 now. If it drops another X thousand dollars, you can always tax loss harvest again. So yeah. this is a one day benefit. If, if Bitcoin goes back up to wherever your cost basis was, 60,000, then you can't tax loss harvest anymore. So you miss your chance. So you may as well do it now if cool. you're um, yeah. locking that tax benefit and you can do it again later if you if you want. So if you're not, if you're not like a small private client or you, you don't have like a, sure. a, an RIA somewhere and you're looking to tax yeah. loss harvest, I mean, if it's a super complicated ordeal, I guess we, you can just help maybe pass somebody some resources, what? but like what, well, how would somebody go about doing that and what should they do <laughs> to make sure that they get that credit? What the fuck is tax loss harvesting? Oh, sure. Yeah. Let's but maybe we back. should start okay, there. Yeah. So, tax loss harvesting is what something that's so not every single law in that we have in the u.s is oppressive and hurts taxpayers um there's something the government does to hurt you and then they kind of back away from it or walk it back right so this is one of those walk back things so let's imagine tax loss harvest it's best explained through an example but um conceptually it's just a way to lock in a tax benefit because you're underwater so you invested, let's say, $100, $100 into Bitcoin and Bitcoin dropped, the value of your Bitcoin dropped from $100 to $60. So you have $40 of losses, but you haven't sold. So it's unrealized. It's just $40 mark to market paper loss. If you sell it, then you have the actual loss and it's painful. And as Bitcoiners, what we want to do is have you rebuy that Bitcoin right away. You don't have to rebuy Bitcoin for it to be a tax loss harvest. Tax loss harvest is merely like 
I lost money. I'm going to realize that loss. And the reason it's called harvest is you're making it real so you can reduce your taxable income. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, if you make $200 and you have $40 of loss, then maybe your taxable income is only $160, for example. So and for somebody who's like, well, I'm, that, I'm never, I'm never going to sell mine, my Bitcoin, no matter what the price is, but yeah, so, so you can we're not just go this. ahead. Right. So, so bottom line, yeah, we hear that all the time and it takes time for clients to understand that you're not selling. So if you start with 10 Bitcoin, let's say you're going to sell 10 Bitcoin at a loss, generate $40,000 in capital, whatever it is, but you're going to, um, rebuy it through us, we'll buy it back right away. So you still have 10 Bitcoin. It's just 10 different Bitcoin, but Bitcoin's fungible. So who cares, um, in my opinion, because economically you start with 10, you end with 10, but you've locked in all these tax losses that you can reduce, use to reduce any and all income this year and in all future years. So if you tax loss wow. harvest this year, you can, yes. And it extends I forever. I didn't know that part. But what people don't understand, there is a limit, but it's only for ordinary income. So think about it. Your Bitcoin is a passive investment, right? It's no, you wouldn't think that it could be used to reduce income from your gig, from working. It's of course, it makes sense to reduce income from selling stocks or real estate or whatever, something passive, passive loss to offset passive income. That makes sense. But what's cool is you can have short-term or long-term capital loss and use it to reduce short-term or long-term capital gains or a combination. So, and there's no limit on that. And you can do like a million dollars a year or whatever. Um, yeah, but that's some tricky shit. Limit. It's like, you got to know a bunch of legal. It's a little tricky. For... Yeah, it's a little tricky. Yeah, so I'll go slow, but people can, um, you know, swan.com <laughs> and contact us you know email support at swan.com um if you if you're my client you can copy me or just you know dan dan or michael vouch for you just copy me on the email and then we'll, we'll help you get going but like reed and company they're really good reed tyler wade they're mm -hmm. exceptional uh private uh client service people so they will answer your questions about this stuff and if there's anything sort of complicated they want to double check they can check with me or john Har, or many others on our, on our team we, we just yeah. double check with not that they don't know that stuff but um real, real quick so basically um you can you're you're limited at up to three thousand dollars a year for ordinary income so if you're making like a hundred thousand a year you can only reduce your um, ordinary income to 97,000, not below that. So if you have any leftover, let's say you have no income other than from your job and you're making a hundred thousand a year and you have 30,000 capital losses, you can, if you're married filing jointly, you can reduce your hundred thousand to 97,000. That's $3,000 less taxable income you pay. So if you're at one third tax bracket, it's a thousand dollars a year. I've had wealthy people say, well, it's only a thousand a year. And I'm like, do you want a free iPhone every year? Because that's a thousand dollars. So I don't know about you. I would like a free iPhone every year. So even though it's only only a thousand dollars a year, you can do that for 10 years, right? Of less, less tax that you pay because you're saving three thousand dollars of taxable income one third tax rate is i would need an yeah. army of cpas to execute oh, what you no, were man. saying it's 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 <laughs> all right I, it's really not that hard man it's you you just yeah you just record it on your form on TurboTax, and it, it tells you which yeah which you form to look at which, which book which um, box to look at and then you just import it and it does it for you yeah, we've had great colleagues from our client services team test out uh, Coinly, and they like Coinly. Okay. I personally have used Zenledger, but I think Coinly is better because I used Zenledger uh, two years ago or, or a couple years ago when I uh, so, so, sold and rebought. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, Coinly is the latest that our team has kind of thoroughly tested. There, there are other uh, Bitcoin and crypt digital asset tax offer that can be good. 
but yeah, it doesn't, it can really help, especially if you, you know, you strike or something where you're buying every hour and you have all these yeah, like 5 totally. million different cost basis. It's ridiculous. So yeah, after the pain that some of my clients have gone through, they have sworn off. Cause I was like, cause they're like, Oh my God, this is such a headache. like, yes. Um, you did what I did. We were buying every day. We were rage buying and, you know, buying all the time at, you know, small amounts, but um, you might want to just slow down and just reset your cost basis. Do tax loss reference. You have new cost basis with one number for all your Bitcoin. Because even though you bought 10 Bitcoin at different prices, right? Small amounts every day. Now we sold all 10 and rebought all 10 at the same time. So you have one cost basis, the same number across all 10 Bitcoin. And maybe you just want to buy Bitcoin once a month, right? Dollar cost average once a month right. instead of doing it hourly and having ridiculous amounts of uh, cost basis to figure out. It's total pain. So, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned getting a free iPhone every year, but yes. what you also can do is use that thousand dollar savings to just buy more Bitcoin because now now you have you, yes you have, you have, yeah. you have those ten <laughs> you have those ten plus a thousand dollars worth more yeah so yeah. you actually make out with more money when when no it's that's all and done. a much better answer I I was more trying to tell the story about but no no I no sure no sure totally and so I was trying to because to them a thousand dollars more a year of extra Bitcoin they don't care but I was like but people like free stuff and they like iPhones so hell yeah I knew how to get them. <laughs> Before I switch gears, Mike, do you have any more questions on this, uh, any of this legal stuff or tax loss harvesting? I mean, not that I can't, you know, I'll just bring up at a later date in time in private, but. Uh, yeah, happy acting private. Yeah, we'll get you uh, set up. Well, anything that might help our listeners learn a little bit more on how they can <laughs> save money and <laughs> yeah. work the system? So, so that's I, why I, we're I wanna, here. Yo, what, how system. can you study? It's, it's how can you totally understand legal. it to People that do degree? It all the no, time. no, no. When I, no, I didn't. I didn't mean to do anything yeah, illegal. It's, like it's a totally yeah. legal thing. Taking to... advantage of the rules that are very clear, mm -hmm. and yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, everybody does it. I mean, the IRS said Bitcoin is virtual. Well, we Bitcoin is virtual currency the way the IRS defines it, which makes sense. And then they said virtual currency is property. Property is different from securities, so there's mm -hmm. no. 30-day wash sale rules. It's not mm -hmm. like stocks where you have to sell, wait 30 days, and rebuy, and you have that all that price risk. Bitcoin's you know, a stable coin now. So. Down. Yeah. Bitcoin, you can sell immediately, rebuy. Nice. So that's really good. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the, get... the basic concept is if you lost money, it's okay. it's not the end of the world. You can make lemonade out of lemons, and nobody wants to lose money, but maybe sell and rebuy your Bitcoin right away. Use that crystallized loss to reduce your tax. Keep okay. more income, keep the same Bitcoin, keep more income and pay less tax. Follow the law and still get more Bitcoin. That's, that's yes. attractive to a lot of people. Um, so switching gears a little bit, you are, um, we talked about your past and we talked about kind of what you do, uh, but you're not just an investor in Bitcoin, you're not just somebody who saw a great way to preserve your wealth and just add to your portfolio. You're like us, you're orange-pilled. So what is it mm -hmm. about this technology, sure. the protocol, anything? What is it about yeah, that yeah. gets you so geeked up and excited and like makes you, makes this like okay, a focus Okay, bottom on line, it's about freedom. As we increasingly oh, yeah. live in a surveillance state and we've seen both parties and what's supposed to be the greatest country on earth, they're, both parties are very authoritarian, whether it's during COVID or 9-11 or whatever they've done time and time again. During crisis, real or imagined, they have become extremely authoritarian. And we still have these laws, whether it's, you know, when you go to the airport, the TSA and then Patriot Act and all these money transmitter laws and laws, laws, laws all over the yeah, place. Yeah, they're, they're monitoring what you check out from the library. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my... So my story that I like to tell, and it's um, somewhat analogous or in the ballpark, I would say, um, as um, you know, some of our Jewish friends, 
But my my ancestors on both sides of the family, my mom's side and my dad's side of the family, they were on the losing side of the Chinese Civil War. Mm. Oh, wow. I mean, they lost to the communists. So during the Cultural Revolution, for example, my dad's side of the family, because they were still in China mostly, um, we lost everything, gold, jade, jewelry, uh. silver, real estate, stocks, bonds, physical cash, everything got confiscated pretty much. Because wow. you just ransack your home, right? And dig in the backyard and whatever. So if they had Bitcoin, they could have done what my friends from China have done, which is come to the US, like my current friends, come to the US with almost their entire net worth in Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is what? Digital bearer asset, meaning it is extremely hard to censor, extremely hard to confiscate and super portable. So even though um, my friend may have come with millions of dollars, Imagine coming with millions of dollars to physical cash in a suitcase or even gold, these gold bars. Um, I saw a video of, I think, gold bars in some oxygen tank um, that a guy was checking in through TSA and got caught or wow. some customs. These gold bars or small gold uh, bars were, were in there. So you cannot move gold or physical cash or physical gold, which are the only two other bearer assets of any real value in my opinion you can't move them at scale and another friend moved from south africa with almost his his family's almost entire net worth from south africa with his family to the u.s using bitcoin government can stop them so you can evade capital controls people will say like oh like the, my fiat folk friends my fiat friends will be like but that's illegal it's like yes <laughs> it was also legal to be jewish during the holocaust or to have you know, gold or help, help the Jewish people, you know, escape uh, massacres and homicides. And, you know, um, if we will have gold in the United States, also, there's a lot the of laws that are illegal, but they're very unjust, right? So right. Does, just because it's a law it doesn't mean you're at some point you have to look out for yourself and your family. So mm -hmm. the state is fine, but I'm here for people, not entities or governments or Facebook or Google to help them get rich. I did enough of that crap. um helping Wall Street. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't need to keep continuing. Was, yeah. was freedom always that important to you? Because um, I've seen how freedom can hurt whether it's my ancestors, because I grew up hearing these horror stories about communists. So it's kind of naturally just anti-communist. But then I thought about it and I was like, yeah, you know what? My parents are actually right. So having seen um, freedom be encroached on, whether it's in the US or like, for example, with um, Jewish people when they had Nazi gold and they kept gold at a at these Swiss banks. Yeah. So not your keys, not your coins, but also not your gold in your safe, not your gold, right? It just, right. They just had gold to use and they had to sue for that. So like I dated a woman who kind of helped people re retrieve um, Holocaust, right. uh, Nazi gold and stuff. So I kind of hmm. um, had, was predisposed wow. to have some empathy. Yeah, her job was just basically helping return gold to Holocaust victims' families or Holocaust victims. Take um, it from their teeth. Pick it up oh, from their man. fillings. Took oh, it from took the, everything. The yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I guess, um, yeah, just maybe having uh, um, someone in my family who is particularly uh, authoritarian and not <laughs> kids uh, a lot of freedom. Oh, so, so to follow the law to to the degree in which you do, it's sort of like a rebellious yeah. act in a way. Yes. And after, yeah. and after working after working on wall street this is like his <laughs> redemption arc <laughs> <laughs> okay i will say on wall street like at the time i thought what i was doing was great because it was like a new more efficient way to um transfer risk whether it's credit risk or interest rate risk with a lot of it, these new financial products including and it was it i was. thought it was great i was, I was like yeah. this is what people need they just don't understand it what i didn't understand i was a little naive i guess was that um some of our sales people were 
not as scrupulous as the rest of us were because a lot of the traders and a lot of the product people, they were former engineers, math people, even the salespeople because it was kind of technical. So they were kind of technical people, Bachelor of Science, Bachelor of Engin uh, Engineering majors. They're, we're all these nerds. We're all these uh, nerds who are building new products that we thought were helpful to um, people in society, more, more society, like institutions, but like it would trickle down and, you know, these help people hedge their risks and take positions more efficiently, whether it's a hedge fund or whatever, like, why do you need to waste so much capital? You're only interested in the price difference between X and Y. So we could sell you that product, but yeah, it was I mean, um, yeah. not a moral enterprise, but it was an immoral and there was some innovation there. And well, you it know, was a lot of fun with smart people. So despite yeah. the despite the crooks and despite the corruption and like just people who sure. were maybe not as super scrupulous as as you yeah. would expect and weren't doing the due diligence that you would trust them to do the technology and the some of the products were really beneficial and they were really they did advance society because of the value and the innovation that was created using those I think so. right yeah. so it's and it's yeah. if, but they're, if they're used correctly the problem is people don't understand the leverage so right um, right and sometimes their salespeople would not be accurate or they would they would say accurate things but be misleading and leave out information sure. which we weren't right. supposed to do and i don't really know about until right. later my, my, yeah. we would literally like explain the the deal in plain pretty plain english in the term sheet and then um, we would have them sign investor letters and risk factors that I actually rewrote when I was at Merrill into plain English because we had so many complaints from our salespeople. Why is there, you know, investor letter risk factors? Why are they 20 pages each? It's like, that was 20 pages before I got here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, well, my, my point, my like point is that it. my point is yeah. that like some of these innovations, mm -hmm. uh, these technologies, these, uh, money even itself, yeah. it, it's going to draw people like that it's going to draw incentivized behavior like that so but, mm -hmm. and you're never going to avoid that completely so even in bitcoin you're going to have like scammers you're going to have crooks trying to rip you off for more to take your bitcoin right to but, some extent yes yeah, yeah. um for sure. but the the value of bitcoin is that if you know if you understand the technology uh you understand the protocol the law quote unquote um uh, mm -hmm. of the of the network and you do it correctly uh, you can avoid all of that. Um, you can avoid the leverage. You can avoid the scammers. You can avoid the crooks. You can avoid the all that crap. Because yeah. um, so, uh, I, ironically, yeah. if something's really good, it's going to draw scammers. So it's almost like a, a sign. Sometimes That's, it's like, yeah. But you can avoid yeah. those things. You can avoid or mitigate, or at least, um, like, if you are going to use leverage, maybe only use it if you know you have the ability to repay and you use a modest amount of leverage, like, you know, not something ridiculous. A small, a small couple thousand dollar loan, buy some Bitcoin if you expect it to hit the bull run soon. And then, but only that's something that can't be recalled. Yeah, you can't example. get margin called. Well, you can just yeah, pay it you with don't want to like income. Exactly. You don't want to like go crazy and have um, no income, no asset kind of loan these right. ninja loans where you don't have to give any documents and then you lose your house because you yeah you don't know, lose your bitcoin. house to buy bitcoin yeah. don't do that yeah, I, I, I was i definitely admit to being one of these dgen dudes on DeFi <laughs> locked in like whatever crazy amount of money i was locked into and taking loans out every month mm -hmm. just to, just to pay rent I, this wow. this is a this was you were a, doing that this was the time of my life. Yes. I recall. Obviously, I'm not doing that anymore. What was that? Was that stressful? Fuck <laughs> <I'm kidding> like... <laughs> you're, you're... So much of your when so much of your livelihood depends on the fluctuations of something you don't understand, <laughs> dude. Mm -hmm. That's like, uh, have you seen uh, Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler? Ooh, just good, like, good you're just, just kind of like him, man. You're just fucking. I disagree. The market's going down. I disagree. <laughs> Triple three X me up on Ave. <laughs> Folks, don't be like Mike. Yeah, yeah I, I was. Those were those were sad days. But yeah, I, I was able to get out of it because of Bitcoin. 
That's awesome. Well, Terrence, what, uh, do you have any, do you have to leave any parting words or let people know where they can find you to learn more about these complicated, uh, schemes? <laughs> uh, uh, we, I definitely want to open it. Did you have anything yeah. you wanted to speak about tonight? Oh yeah. Um, trying to think. So yeah, a, a little bit, like I would like people to, um, keep their eye on the long-term vision which is that we know that governments and companies and wealthy people around the world are increasing their power and they're not going to give it up easily and they're going to do things like have cbdc's or increase surveillance or increase um strict rules during the next crisis let's just say it's a real crisis and you really have to watch out for ways that they encroach on freedom. And Bitcoin is extremely important to make sure that you and your family have financial freedom because it's something that you can pass on and no one can stop you because it is so hard to censor and it's so hard to confiscate or take away. And because it's credibly scarce, that, that combination I think makes it super valuable. It's like digital gold, but better because you can build on top of it. So um, I don't want to talk, get into like building on top of it. I think that's going to take a long time. But the main point is that with all the talk right now that I see on Bitcoin Twitter and in FinTwit about how the Fed's doing a horrible job, the U.S. is going to implode, all that stuff, um, you don't need that, any of that to happen for Bitcoin to be valuable long term. Who knows what will happen like year to year, right? We could have another... 2022 i don't think so but it could happen and that can go on for uh uncertain period of time like go on for years right but the point is that decades from now you really want to have at least some bitcoin for yourself and your family because whether or not these people on fintwit or bitcoin twitter are right or wrong about you know depressions coming recessions coming the fed's going to print tomorrow or you know but Meanwhile, they're raising rates and inflation seems high and job numbers look good. The point is that long term, um, the the Fed and the government, they're very biased to spend money, to increase debt, to uh, do easy money, print more money. And that devalues your savings if you're saving in U.S. dollars and you really want to be in something that's incredibly finite, incredibly sensor resistant, incredibly hard to take away oh yeah we talk about on the show quite a bit so it's silver almost... right silver <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah silver we, yeah we talk about uh, a lot on the show about uh it's almost the point of the show right is to talk about the value of bitcoin outside the the fiat exchange price like you you mentioned freedom yeah. uh flexibility you can move global uh long term and the community everything so with even if the price doesn't moon in the next five years, you know, there's, there's a whole lot more value there that you won't see if you're only looking at the ticker. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and to that point, if I may, um, the price is determined in the short run by impatient sellers versus impatient buyers. So if you're hodling, Yes, you are reducing the cir effective circulating supply by taking out of circulation, everybody who hodls. But um, the price action is still the price action. And if there are people who are getting liquidated for you going long lever uh, leverage long or who are um, very impatient because they're panic selling because they were told by certain people they listened to on Twitter, whatever, that the price would go up and it would be you know, $10 million by now that impatience can get to people and then they end up selling or they just lose their jobs that they can't afford to, to sell. People who think they have high conviction because they listen to us or Michael Saylor or whoever, but they never really built the conviction at a deeper level by studying and understanding and doing the hard work. There's no substitute for reading these books and essays and watching YouTube videos and thinking critically about it instead of just, you know, having it on in the background when you're driving or whatever. So yeah, you really have to do the work to build that real conviction and understanding and, and manage your cash flow, manage your expenses, have a good paying job, try to keep your job so that you have 
steady income so you're not forced to sell so there's kind of two a couple types of sellers right leverage longs get, getting liquidated speculators people who think they have conviction but they don't have the understanding but also people who have the understanding and conviction they have everything except they don't have the cash to withstand like um you know things that might happen in their lives they're somewhat foreseeable pay cuts, um, increased inflation, things like that. And they end up having to sell because they don't have enough. Um, you know, they're either spending too much or not making enough or both. Right on. Um, where, where can we find you, Terrence? Sure. I'm on Twitter shitposting at TY on Clubhouse. <laughs> and um, Are you still can... on Clubhouse? Uh, I am sometimes because... Sometimes I'm driving and I don't feel like listening to an audiobook or whatever music playlists or whatever. I, I need to improve my playlist or like there's nothing going on in Twitter spaces. So I just start my own room or let's go to room on clubhouse where I see uh, some old friends. It's just like a water cooler where you talk to like a couple of people. It's not very many people there these days, but it's yeah. fun for me to reconnect with people. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Terrence. Cool. Thanks for coming on. This was great. Yeah, man. Informative. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. I'm going awesome. to stop recording. Here we go. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us on Twitter at High Hash Rate, or you can hit up Dan at Heartland Bitcoin, H R T L N D Bitcoin, or myself, Mike, at Run Dance Bitcoin. That's all one word Run Dance Bitcoin. If you're a fellow pleb or you just want to shoot the shit with two high Bitcoiners, reach out to us. Holy Toledo!